Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. So Andre, today we are going to be speaking about Jupiter, the king of all the planets. And it's one of the words that is often associated with Jupiter. And I wanted you to talk first about, you told me a story a while back about Jupiter and its role in the creation of the universe. Uh, yes, or, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, so that, that that goes to the fairly recent scientific uh, modeling. You know, these scientists whatever else you can say about them, they're incredibly clever at running computer algorithms because now there's also a lot of computing power, which there wasn't and so forth, if you go back 20 years even. So I believe it's in the last 10, it could be the last 20, but it's definitely in the time mark, it's pretty recent. It's called the grand tax theory. They figured out that uh, in many of these solar systems, such as ours, the big planet, meaning Jupiter, tends to be pulled toward the sun or the star in that case. And then you get this two planet, well, not really two planet system, but a star with a big planet just circling around one another, so to speak. However, in this system, it turned out that in the creation of the system itself, Saturn was also created. Saturn is about a third the size of Jupiter. It's not as nearly as big, but it's pretty big. So when Jupiter was falling toward the sun, it interlocked orbits with Saturn, and Saturn pulled it out toward where they are today. This made it possible for there to be a region in the middle where you could have rocky planets and a Goldilocks zone. You still need an area where temperature is such that you get water, so you get life. I mean, even in planet Earth, life is dependent on uh, uh, warm water, basically, not too hot or anything like that. But, you know, there's winter, there's summer. There are places where there's very little life, like in Antarctica. But overall, there's a lot of life because of that. So the astronomy, as I understand it, has to relate to the astrology. It makes perfect sense to me. If you separate the two, you're separating systems that, in my mind, should be united. So then you start to look at, well, what do these planets connect to in life? And pretty soon you realize, yes, Saturn and Jupiter appear to be the gateway to the sun in terms of a person looking at their chart and realizing I'm the center, astrology is geocentric, so I put myself in the center, the sun is another point around me, so it's not, it's an optical illusion, it's not correct, that's how astrology works though, it works though, it's not a heliocentric thing, you don't uh, bring, you know, uh, um, some middle ages uh, astronomer who who realized the sun was the center, that's a separate idea. Right. For astrology, geocentric. So then you realize the sun is the key. The sun is our being, our purpose, what we want to be and what we want to become. It's all of it. And the two main ministers are Saturn and Jupiter, the contracting force and the expanding force. And so then from there you extrapolate. Mastering those two forces is critical toward your well-being, toward your success, toward your everything. So in that sense, Jupiter, aside from being the biggest, and Saturn the next biggest, because they are, (laughs) aside from that, Jupiter is the king, because then you would say, between the two of them, Saturn, in a sense, Saturn's role is to work toward 
expanding or being Jupiter, because Jupiter is the expansion itself. And Jupiter as the king is the idea that you're turning your life into something that is expansive, especially, most especially around consciousness, because as you yourself, I'm sure you know, these planets have uh, like a range, or you could say a two-sided coin. I prefer range because you can be at the really high end and at the super low end and somewhere in between. So Jupiter expands anything. And so, for example, people will expand their waistline by eating too much. That's Jupiter too. Or they spend too much money and then they they uh, acquire debt or they they exaggerate and they, you know, there are many ways to express exaggerate or uh, expansion, but the true expansion is expansion of consciousness. It's expansion of, you could say, spirit. It's that inner knowing, inner knowledge that then leads to wisdom, that leads to uh, true, you know, awakening, enlightenment and so forth. It's interesting. There's a lot of things that came out of what you just said. One of them is the notion of what the the division between astronomy and astrology. The reason I started with this is that these two were one into the Enlightenment when they separated. So you separated into a mathematical astronomy, and the mythology was basically you know denied or went underground because it wasn't respected anymore. And I think what we're trying to do, at least the way I look at it, is to try to remythologize the world, right? And mm-hmm. the way you remythologize is you look at the mythologies that were there since the beginning of time, because we have always looked up at the sky. And so I love that particular story, because it shows you that for some weird reason, and the reason I think I'm attracted to astrology is that it gives me a sense that there is meaning, that there is connection in ways that we don't really understand fully, right? And so there seems to be a synchronicity between what's going on up there and what is happening on the story level, on the archetypal level. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you noticed recently there was a report that they've discovered even more moons. I mean, Jupiter seems to be prolific in every sense, including that it seems to create, they keep finding more and more. I think they're up to 92 moons at this moment. I may be wrong on that number, but it's just interesting about what you're discovering uh, now with the James Webb telescope. It's a, those images are amazing, right? You're looking at it all the time. So when I look at, let's look at it from the mythological side. Okay, let me give you the story. You know, there is a misunderstanding around uh, Jupiter, I believe, because Jupiter, of course, is Zeus, and we know that Zeus is the was the ultimate Greek god, right? He's the Greek god that's going around um, partnering and raping, and and you know he's so prolific in his mating that you have all these different children and and uh, scenarios that come out of his stories, and of course, it depends what versions you read because there are many. But ultimately, we know that Zeus seems to be. Uh, associated in some way with possibility. Certainly that's a big word for uh, for Jupiter, right? Possibility. By the way, I was thinking of characters that are out there that are very Jupiterian-like, and I can think of three, two are classical, one I think people will know more, it's more contemporary. One, of course, is Don Quixote. And if, if anybody, I mean, I'm not suggesting many people have read a 1600 page or a thousand page 1600, you know, era novel. But what's interesting about Don Quixote is if you read it and, you know, it was made into a musical that many more people may know, which is called Man of La Mancha. But what's interesting about it is he's always going out there, converting whatever he sees into something else, right? So he sees some ladies of the night and he, you know, he suddenly converts them into these beautiful women that are, you know, um, ladies of a different class. Or, But what's really interesting about his uh, journey is that he needs a counterpart. And I love that you put Jupiter and Saturn together because 
if Jupiter without Saturn is a menace. And that's what happens with Don Quixote. Don Quixote intends well because he keeps seeing, you know, oh, here are these, these windmills, you know, they're giants. But invariably, people get hurt because he is, he is mythologizing the world to such an extent that he doesn't see reality, which is a word I think you and I would both apply to Saturn, not Jupiter, right? So here's one character. The other one that uh, some people may know is Falstaff in Shakespeare because he's a bon vivant, right? He eats, he, he drinks. He's just this really big Jupiterian laughter because I think laughter and humor is very much associated with Jupiter. But one thing that's interesting and why I like to look at them together, and of course, we'll get to Saturn next time, but when you think about the rulerships of Sagittarius and Pisces, right, in the traditional system of rulerships, in the middle of those two signs are Saturn ruled signs because you've got Capricorn and Aquarius. So you could almost say that you need some belief structure to get you through the dark winter that is represented by the Saturn uh, months, right? The the Capricorn and the Aquarius, and then it finishes with faith because Jupiter, as rule, the rulership in Pisces is feminine Yin much more internalized. It's possibility, but internal possibility. I must say to get back to that word, which I do think is a big Jupiter word, that the character that is carrying that for us today is Ted Lasso. I don't know if people have seen Ted Lasso, <laughs> but don't, you know what is the big word that he has? Belief, right? It's always belief. And he's a very kind of Jupiterian character. Everything is possible. Everything is, uh, the imagination is very strong. And But it's really that faith, that faith that things will somehow work out. Um, no matter the demons. So just just uh, with with the mythological side, it, Zeus is the chief, the chief god. He is the god that is um, the most prominent in the whole pantheon. Uh, he he, like I said, he sees the if you look at it, um, if you look at these myths and you look at them literally, you're in trouble. It's like if you look at the Bible literally, you're going to get one translation or one interpretation. If you look at it mythologically or metaphorically, when I think of Zeus, I think of he just sees possibilities. So of course you're going to mate because they're creative ventures. It's creativity, right? So Zeus, and I know because I'm, you know, Jupiter in our family is a very big thing. So we all know a lot about Jupiter. Jupiter is able to to see something and and see the the inherent possibilities, the inherent uh, future in something that is instilled in its kind of baby form or inchoate form, right? Um, so that's the way I look at Jupiter. I don't know if that um, resonates at all with your view of it, uh, but. No, it does. It totally does. The, although both, you could say, Jupiter and Saturn both are probably more future, future-based in that Jupiter is envisioning something that is possible, something good, something expansive, something fun, and Saturn is realizing what it'll take to get there, what the journey entails, and Typically, if it's true, valuable, deep expansion, it'll involve work. Because, of course, if you, if you said, uh, I can have a lot of fun vacationing, just you know, having a good time, that doesn't require Saturn in a way. Saturn is the notion that you might envision some journey that would enrich your understanding of things and potentially you could pass it on to others later in some form. That'll require time. And so Saturn is involved in that as well. And, you know, Saturn rules time. So once a planet uh, yeah, rules yeah. time, yeah. then it's inevitable. Uh, and, and what you said uh, about the idea of being a certain uh, archetype of planet, that is totally insane. Because if a person starts saying to themselves, oh, I'm, I'm Jupiter, I'm Jupiter, that's not going to work. You you have to be all of them, all the archetypes 
have to find their place in your psyche. It's the idea of parts in a person. If a person has many parts and they just say, well, I'll just be this part, then all the other parts rebel. Now, how you come, how you then create that synthesis is the mystery of life. But you definitely cannot do Jupiter all by itself. That's like, yes, yes, no. that's like, for instance, saying just one substance. I'll just do, yeah. you know, or I'll bleach all my clothes. But, you know, that doesn't work because it, it's 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 too too uh, isolated. I have to say that is such an important part. I was discussing with my group uh, just earlier today that if there's one thing that I think is really powerful about a map, like the one that you have with an astrological chart, is that it's the uh, internal uh, family systems notion that if you understood you are not one, but you are many, and that maybe one part of you is rebelling at a given time, and that maybe the chart in a transit is giving you the moment that maybe you have a Venus rebellion because Pluto hit it and it awakened something in the Venus that it wasn't comfortable with, then you wouldn't necessarily go to extremes in terms of how you remedy it, right? You just understand some part of me needs to be listened to. And so you're right, Jupiter without, Jupiter in the shadow side of Jupiter is self-indulgent. It's uh, prone to fantasies, just like Don Quixote. So it's not rooted in reality and it's excessive. There's a too muchness about Jupiter that, that can be really grating, right? It can be grating to you and to others. So yes, it needs parameters and needs boundaries. That that uh, And that's why I think it's interesting that inside the two rulerships are the Saturn ruled signs. It's almost like it needs to have a relationship. Now, I, I wanted to bring up other that one part of the story mythologically, which does, which does actually speak to what's important about this Jupiter archetype, is that Jupiter stops. We're going to now look at planets in order. It'll be Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus. They're all father, son, and then son again, right? So Uranus is the father of Saturn. Saturn is the father of Jupiter. In that line, Uranus tries to kill Saturn, right? Saturn tries to kill Jupiter, right? The sun. Uh, and Jupiter is Zeus is the one that absolutely stops doing that to the next generation. He's not particularly whatever, but he stops. Why? The, if you look at it again, archetypally or mythologically, then what that means is that uh, in in each of us, there is a killing the father motif, and you don't literally want to go out and kill your father. What you're trying to do is skill that thinking that might be more involved with a traditional mindset, right? Because you kind of need innovation, right? And let me put it to you this way. Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions in history, the mundane astrologers would take very seriously. They happen every 20 years. We just had a very important one in 2020 because it happened in air, which means that for the next approximately 200 years, we're going to have Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions in air. So it changed after 200 years. So every 200 years, there is an elemental change. And astrologers paid a lot of attention to it because the Saturn is the old king, Jupiter is the new king. And around 7 BCE, um, one of the things that, were, that happened is Jupiter-Saturn met uh, in Pisces and it's uh, in, in water of Pisces. And that was one of the charts that people think belong to the possibility of Christ consciousness. What the wise men were looking for was really basically the embodiment of that Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that would be in Pisces, which initiated a whole period. And so the Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions are so important. And you can say that what happened in 2020, at the end, December 21st, 2020, is initiating a new way, an, an, era, of, an era of air, uh, where, you know, we're seeing it already with the kind of stuff that's coming out with chat GPT, where a communication with sharing information is, is going to be much more important than what we did the last 
200 years, which is building railways, uh, you know, establishing physical structures, mining the ground, which were because they happened in Earth. So they're really important. And again, they're together, but they're because the Jupiter is the new way of thinking, right? Which challenges the old way of thinking, the old father. And it's not about killing in a, in a literal sense. It's can you renew this society? with the Jupiter and Jupiter's renewal, where Saturn is structures that exist. You need both, but you do need a sense of renewal every once in a while, or you stagnate, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I'm, in, I'm in, in full agreement with that. I mean, absolutely, because there's no question that the Saturn force is uh, an established structure, so it's always some form of status quo. And Jupiter being visionary is, in a sense, tugging on it and then it's a question of of being able to to work the dichotomy to, to you know to constantly work that uh, without letting either side run away with their with their with their position and the thing is if if someone says well okay great so you're talking about parts and you have to uh, give room for all the parts such as in the case of internal family systems if you would you're saying well what what is the way is there some some form of guidance the closest i can think of would be that the objective is the sun so then the sun part is more important than the jupiter or saturn parts and even then the sun itself is one more thing that circulates around the galaxy and it's then there are galaxies that are part of an even bigger system so you can't really stop even at the sun though you're probably a lot closer to what you are at the sun than you are at any of the other parts like Saturn, Jupiter, etc. since the sun becomes a kind of master part that can keep the other parts organized and say, well, yes, you all want to do certain things. We need to do the sun. Right. And then the sun has to figure out what it does in the broader system as well, because sometimes people forget, you know, the sun is a star. There are way, way, way more stars than people. That's a great meditation when you want to think about <laughs> the universe and think, oh, yeah, I'm talking about a star. They're actually very prolific, you know, in the universe. And so um, this, I think, is important because it's 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 the astronomy and how it illuminates right. the, the astrology. Right. And, and what you're saying about the sun, yeah, the sun is actually, if you want to look at the Joseph Campbell way of looking at it, is your heroic path, your very individual path, right? But all of the other planets are in service to that path. And if they're not helpful, then in fact, many times a planet will actually not be helpful to the sun's path. It will stop you. Fear, you have a Saturn uh, aspect to the sun, maybe, maybe fears are a bigger deal or whatever it may be, or even by transit. But ultimately, you're trying to develop that solar purpose, that, that purpose that you purportedly have. But you need the cooperation and the assistance of all these other planets that are. And that's why I think um, uh, an astrological chart is like a map of your own psyche that will tell you, well, this is not only will it tell you this is sort of what you came here to unfold, and you can interpret it many ways, of course, but there's also key timing periods when certain parts will come alive that will, will be part of the unfolding, right? So uh, timing timing, and the actual initial chart in conjunction with each other are just a great way to understand what's happening and, and, and to also know that it doesn't last forever and that things change and things are unfolding always in ways that are not stuck, right? Because I think one of the things that happens, Jupiter gives you overconfidence and then Saturn will meet next, takes away your confidence. So if you know, well, I'm going through a two-year Saturn transit, but I know that that will end, right? I think there is some consolation in that so that you don't think this is 
how it's going to be. And then the secondary thing is, well, why is this happening? Well, it can give you a sense, well, I need discipline around something. I need to erect better structures or better boundaries. That's a great Saturn word. But Jupiter is more about limitless, right? So let's look first about Jupiter's um, rulership of Sagittarius. When I think of that, I think of knowledge. I think of philosophy. I think of religion. You see people like Winston Churchill, who were incredibly um, knowledgeable and wrote all these books and a great orator and, and just a leader, uh, who famously, by the way, when he was elected that night, this is Jupiter for you. If it were most people, the when he was elected during the, uh, the you know, Britain was at war. It, it was a really difficult time. He went to bed saying, oh, I slept fantastically because I knew I was now, would, would now be the head of the government. So that's a Jupiter kind of thing to say, because, you know, most people would be a little bit apprehensive and be up all night worrying about what was going to happen. Um, and I think of the, the you know, the just on the knowledge side, um, uh, people that have strong kind of Sagittarius planets uh, are, you know, because again, Jupiter is involved, tend to look at whatever art form they're doing and they push it to the limits. Beethoven, um, Stephen Arroyo in his book mentions was one of them. It's almost like, uh, the, the possibilities are so great that you push things to levels that that uh, were not there before. And in a way, you exhaust <laughs> what that could produce at the end of it. So that's one of them. The other, the other one that I think comes up is Sagittarius and how much it shows up in people who are involved in religious systems. Like I think of Rashnish, uh, Sagittarian Sun, uh, Billy Graham, Sagittarian Moon, Ron, Ron Hubbard, also with Sagittarius Strong. Uh, he's, of course, uh, the force behind Scientology, and I think he had Sagittarius Ascendant, Krishnamurti, um, also uh, the guy, the founder of, of Est in California, and Alan Watts that a lot of people know. So there seems to be an association with faith, literally, in the sense that these people are teachers of um, faith, of, of belief systems. Can you think of anybody else that uh, I've missed? I mean, these are all royal um, identified, but can you think of anybody else? Pope Francis. Yeah. I forgot, yes. You know, it's interesting about Pope Francis, by the way. Richard Rohr, I don't know if you know Richard Rohr. I absolutely love his his uh, his writings. He's a, uh, he's a, he's actually a, um, a, a Franciscan uh, priest who who really has brought a lot more people back to Christianity because he has a sort of Jungian bent. It's just fabulous. It's just a beautiful soul. And he had an audience with Pope Francis, and he comments on... Um, just how refreshing it's been for him. You know, he's almost 80, having been in the church and finally found the Pope that he could actually like, because <laughs> all the previous Popes, because he is so much more progressive. If you think about a lot of what Francis came from, part of it was that he was really involved in helping the poor and where he came from. Now, of course, there's going to be many, many opinions, but he has a philosophy that seems much more expansive than you would have had in previous Popes. So it's interesting. I didn't even, I forgot all about him, but he actually fits that archetype perfectly well. And he's also, he's the Pope, right? So Pope. you can get yeah. a higher, higher level than that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Sagittarius and Jupiter, for sure, the uh, codifying of a system the idea of a system of thought, like the law is, is Jupiterian, even though it gets applied through Saturn and all of the laws, restrictions, things you can't do, things that are allowed, disallowed, et cetera, still it's Jupiterian. That's the idea that is the overarching vision of a society. So then it naturally, yes, aligns with, with uh, religion, churches, although they go into Pisces too, those two signs, Sagittarius yes. and Pisces, whole Jupiter thing and finding belief, faith, 
which if you think about, it's really finding your optimistic spirit, which is what Jupiter is, which is what Churchill was doing. He was saying, hey, things are looking pretty bad here, but we're going to win this. Don't worry. We're going to figure out a way to do this. It's going to happen. If if the leader is saying, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I think we're going to lose. Well, obviously, that's not going to be good because the people look to their leader. So this is the Jupiterian spirit. And you could say that if you're looking for a some kind of overarching philosophy, it makes perfect sense to choose an optimistic philosophy. Why would you choose anything other sure. than that? Sure. And and if you think about it, the entire the entire new age, you know, armament, anything you can think of, positive thinking, gratitude practices, all of that is Jupiter. Jupiter right. meaning right. think yeah. positive. Turns out, by the way, and this is another interesting thing that if you instead of being as religious, if you stop and you think more practically, more, more in a more modern way, perhaps more scientifically, the idea of, of being positive, it's not because there's a creator that cares whether you're positive or not. That's not the issue. The issue is that it turns out that's how your brain is wired, that if you put your mind on something positive, positive things happen for you most especially because you're the one that has that mind so you can feel better but it has all kinds of cascading effects mm -hmm. that happen from there your creativity what happens in your life all kinds of things come from there so then of course people can say well that's really difficult too that's where saturn comes in and says well you got to train it i mean obviously if you have saturn squares and oppositions you'll even resist the idea and think no 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 i i need to be realistic and be negative yeah. well I, I mean three things that just came up so the law i think is practitioners of the law will tell you that it's based on philosophy and philosophy is a jupiter word right it's a sag yeah. word so that's yeah. that's one thing that i think why it connects in terms of a religious experience when i look at pisces so the jupiter in pisces is a knight uh, kind of expression it's a yin feminine i look more at the mystical side of, of it's more of an interiorized experience. So you get a lot of mystics that are Piscean as opposed to, so I think more of the mystics uh, like Santa Teresa the Jesus, et cetera, would be, although I think she might've been a Sag, but anyway, the point is that you would you would get a, uh, the Jupiter kind of idea as an internal representation. In terms of positive, I mean, the thing for me about that is that I think more in the terms of the stoic way of looking at it, which is positive is an acceptance of what your fate is. Because you can think positively until the cows come home, right? But you can't change certain things that happen to you. However, you can change your mindset around the way you're receiving what's happening to you. And I think that's the hardest thing. I think that a Jupiter uh, orientation says, yes, it's uh, rejoice in the sorrows of the world. That somehow, sometimes you will get knocked about. But how you respond to that is the difference between and what you focus on after that. Because you always have the people who get knocked down and immediately are are you know, are, cannot get back up, right? But then there's the other types of type of people who are able to to reframe and 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 look at it as well. This is what happened. Let's move on. And I think so. It's an attitude. I think you cannot really manifest things, uh, in my view, anyway. Uh, and this is where Saturn has to be always is in constant with Jupiter, right? But that your life will go a lot better if you're able not to <laughs> go to the space where everything you interpret is as victim. I'm a victim. I can do nothing about it. I this this shouldn't have happened. Well, things happen, right? Uh, you know, things happen all the time. They're happening as we speak, and they're terrifying. But the the point is, what do you do in face of that? And and you know, Jupiter doesn't get defeated. 
It's the head God, right? So it says, forget it. You stand up again and you greet the world, even though it's painful. And that's the other thing. It's a recognition that pain is a part of life. And I think that's a philosophical stance that it goes very well with the Jupiterian worldview, right? It is an acceptance of the unacceptable sometimes. So I think all of those things. Um, the, the other thing about Jupiter and the king, um, Arroyo mentions this, and I think it's quite funny, that when you lack kings, you make other people kings. And isn't it interesting that in a world like the 20th century, you started um, projecting the Jupiter onto uh, performers. Think of Elvis Presley, who, by the way, had a, a, a Sagittarius ascendant, so Jupiter ruled, who was known as the king. Because, well, obviously, because that archetype ended up landing on him as, as uh, uh, you know, it's not landing on, a lot of people don't care about the Pope. A lot of people don't care about the, the, the type of Jupiter kings. A lot of people don't care about kings. We don't have kings unless you're sitting in, in the UK right now, right? Um, and also, how many musicians who died and who were revered or there were shrines of being made? One, of course, is Elvis Presley, but the other one is Jim Morrison who, you know, his grave in, in Paris to this day is, is visited. He's like, he's an archetypal sort of big musician. Uh, Hendrix, another one who had a lot of uh, Sagittarius as well. And Bob Dylan as well, Jupiter conjunct the sun. Now, of course, he's not passed away, but I find it interesting that Bob Dylan is the first musician that gets a, uh, gets a Nobel Prize for literature, which is insane, right? Um, so it's almost like, okay, let's take this Jupiter, uh, king archetype, this, this archetype of this, this, this powerful being, and now we're projecting it onto different different characters, different. And the comedian, by the way, is one that often gets that Jupiter because one thing we're not really talking about is how Jupiter's funny, right? They see the humor in things. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. A lot of comedians will have very strong Jupiter mm -hmm. type of uh, because to be able to engage with the world in a way that uh, and translate the world in in a way that makes it palatable. Sometimes humor is the best way to do that. You know, it's the court jester who points out what the, that the king is wearing no clothes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's a, it's like a laughter is the laughter is the default easiest way to to feel good, even if it's for a few minutes. Uh, so yes, it's absolutely uh, Jupiterian. The clown is Jupiterian on some level. Uh, it, it's funny. It's funny. That's the thing about Sagittarius that you can Sagittarius energy. Sometimes a Sagittarius will. Think of something that is funny, but it's not appropriate to the situation. Hence, you know, foot in the mouth. You shouldn't have said that. That's insensitive. And it's a fire sign. Jupiter in the end, it's fire and water. In Pisces, yeah. you're right. It's a lot more internalized. It's a, a a minus sign. You know, the idea of receptivity versus Sagittarius is more outward bound. So you get the evangelists and the teachers, people that are putting out energy, which may or may not be as grounded in that uh, really deep internal place. And yet it's still Jupiter. It's just two different forms of, of the same thing. It's just that idea would be though too though that Jupiter is itself a mind planet. Mercury is collecting data. Jupiter understands what the data means, yes. Yes. comprehends it. So then part of the comprehension, for example, could be when the mind begins to understand that excessive dwelling on any negative emotion is not helpful. Of course, you can't stop grief. You can't stop things yeah. from happening. However, you can become more and more skillful at 
at working with it, you know, channeling it through your system so you don't become a permanent victim. So you say to a person, oh, this happened to me 10 years ago and I never recovered. That means that you likely are dwelling on Saturn too much. The Jupiter would have told you, okay, enough. You you can let this go now. It's life. We live here. Everybody is participating in this and suffering is part of life. I mean, uh, absolutely. It's, It's constant change. One of the things we've done with the other planets, which I think applies here, is that you look at the polarity. So both Jupiter and Pisces and Jupiter and Sagittarius, their opposites are Mercury-ruled signs. One obviously is is Gemini and one is uh, Virgo. Um, And if you think about the difference between Mercury, to me anyway, let's see what you think, and Sag, Mercury-ruled signs, they're all mutables, by the way. So so they grabbed all the mutable signs, so the changeable kind of signs. But what's interesting is... um, for me, Gemini and Virgo have the quality of being able to really bring the details out, right? It's a little bit like the Jupiter sees the big picture and Mercury comes in and says, yeah, but you're missing the details, the facts, the, the, the little pieces that you need to make the whole. Um, if you're very Mercury, Virgo, Gemini oriented, you tend to have a very constrained vision in my view. You're very good at the counting the numbers and doing it, but you don't really have an expansive you know, vision of what things look like in a larger context. Conversely, if you are very Jupiterian, the shadow side is you sometimes miss key data points that you actually need. Now, I, and you see this, don't you? People who are like, oh, yeah, this is the big thing, but they, they're not really paying attention to the very things that can trip up whatever it is their vision involves. And so I think one of the tricky things for me anyway with it is to always be aware that the opposite exists. And so that if I'm seeing the big picture, and I'm a big picture type person, so I so I suffer from this, is to slow down and say, okay, what what actually are the component parts? Should I be looking at these parts? Because if I'm just looking at the whole, you may be missing something. Does that uh, does does that make sense to you? It does, yeah, because it's it's a constant dichotomy or polarity. You're the the parts illuminate the whole, then you're in the, in a whole vision, then you add distinctions by right. tuning into the potential parts. And this is the, I mean, in the, in the scientism, in that universe, Einstein was a Sagittarius moon out of bounds. Right. So he understood the macro, the big picture. He was really good at, at seeing the big patterns in the universe. He had a lot of trouble with quantum mechanics, the small, the details, that wasn't his thing. For that, you need a Gemini mind that then studies atoms and studies right. quantum energies and things like that. That's it's the idea of the particle theory of light and the wave theory of light. But they're both. It's this is the thing that there's no either or. It's yeah, it's and. true and the other thing is true as well. Yeah. You have to figure out how those things uh, come together. And this is where a lot of mystics have said this. More than one mystic I've heard uh, say this that. Uh, mental development goes through a stage where you have to be able to keep two opposite ideas in your mind at the same time. Like for instance, ego and spirit can be really hard to reconcile. If you don't reconcile them, then you think there's a problem with ego. I got to throw the ego out. You throw the ego out, pretty soon you can't put your pants on properly, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. (laughs) That's exactly right. In the Jungian world, he always repeated, it's not either or, it's both and. And to move from the either or to the both and world requires a great degree of maturity because it requires that you live with paradox and understand that things are not as clear cut and that there are many, there are many things that can coexist and you have to somehow fit that in, right? 
Um, and it's interesting that mystics, because that's, I mentioned Richard Rohr before, that's something he o- always reminds people. Maturity is ability to live with the fact that it's not going to be clear-cut. It's not black and white. Things are very complicated and complex, right? Funny about Einstein, Einstein was also Pisces, so you got all that Jupiter. <laughs> so he really did expand our knowledge and our understanding, yes. because another key word for Jupiter, of course, is understanding. And so you've right. got people that are able to say, well, you thought the world was this, but then I'm going to actually expand it by giving you a wholly complete new paradigm. And, you know, we haven't even come to terms with the paradigm shift that happened really in physics in the early 20th century from what every physicist will tell you, right? So something happened that totally reshaped the world. Back to that Jupiter that it says the world as you know it is not the world that you do know. Um, but you absolutely need it to progress again. In a way, he's a great example of a Jupiter-type person being the new king. He killed the old theory, the Saturn. He killed the way what, what the, the, the model of physics had been created by Newton was gone after him, right? So again, you needed that, but it leaves you in an uncertain space for a while because you're living in that in-between world where things don't quite make sense. And that's why, isn't it interesting that we've spent since that time, he publishes his papers in 1905. We've spent since that time, all the physicists have been coming, trying to come up with the unified field theory, right? The word unified means that they cannot reconcile. They, they can't live in a both-and world, right? They can't live in the in a world that where particles behave differently than something out or matter behaves differently depending on the way you're looking at it or observing. They can't do it. So it's it's a need to to put spectacles on of certainty. And I'm not sure you're going to find the certainty. Maybe we will find it. I don't know. I'm not. That's not my field. But I'm I'm just more interested in that need to solve a problem of the way you perceive things, right? And uh, and it was a Jupiterian type thinking that the God is there. So I always look at people with strong Jupiters to see, are they, I mean, it's not that they're necessarily innovators, but how are they killing the father? How are they furthering the story along? And I think actually, if you look at the Jupiter-Saturn story in terms of generations, Jupiter is the, the new generation, right? That always makes Saturn feel uncomfortable because they're coming, you know, they're coming behind you and they're piercing their faces and they're doing all sorts of things you don't understand. Similarly, the Jupiter feels to rebel, needs a rebellion against the father because they understand not, not like, you know, not, um, I don't think they would articulate this, but I think there's an unconscious understanding that part of what each generation is doing is furthering the story. And part of furthering the story says, well, you know, the structures you created are just not working for me. And and it's a, if you're looking at consciousness as something that develops a long time, then that's part of the story that you have to let them. And so I always say to, you know, because I have kids and they, you know they're they're very different from from the way I was. But it's really interesting to not jump in and insist that they live your path, right? Because if if that's the case, you're stopping the natural evolution that is supposed to happen. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true, and 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 it's also true that that uh, in a sense you're transcending each generation is like a tree. So you're the next branch to your father, and then your son or daughter is the next branch to you, and yet everyone is still the the entire tree. Yeah, of course. And there are structures, or there are you could say customs. There are Saturnian uh, Saturnian we could call them structures or, or factors that do endure across time. And so then uh, this is where a vision can run amok, where you you try, you want to innovate for innovation's sake, yeah. not realizing that you may be causing a lot of problems, including, for example, if you look at our modern era, more communication, 
is better, always, always. Like the, the current conflicts that we're experiencing, for example, the war in Ukraine, it is so much harder now for people like Putin to pull off the stunts that Stalin used to pull off. He could do it in the dark of night, you know, engage in massacres, and then no one would know anything for 10 years. Then he could tell you a story. Good luck with that now, right? Yeah. However, people now are aware of everything. And if you're if you're seeing all the news everywhere on the planet, you're going to get a massive headache and it's going to be very hard for you because a lot of it is negative. You have to realize how far you can go, right? Yeah. And so then it's like a good thing becomes too good. And this is where you're, you've expanded beyond your, your yeah. boundaries. This is where Saturn says, hey, where is your, what are your actual limits? This happens a lot, for example, on Saturn returns and so forth. Right. How much can you take? And Jupiter returns uh, tend to be uh, important points as well in terms of your knowledge coming together, your understanding of what you'll do in a 12-year cycle going from right, there right, right. in an expansive way. So Jupiter is the first planet we looked at just to talk about cycles that actually takes 12 years. It's not like Mars, which is two years. It's significant when it hits an important, like a sun, the sun in your chart or your ascendant initiating it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, what you just said refers to why there's a duality about Jupiter and Saturn or their pair. You're right. There is two motifs in mythology. There are two motifs. There's killing the father, but there's also saving the father, which is what Pinocchio does when he goes into the belly of the whale, right? You need both to save certain structures and you need to reform. So again, we're back to the world where it's not either or, it's both and. You both need. So the youth, of the new generation needs to understand that not all structures are meant to, to be done away with. This is the kind of insanity actually you're seeing right now. Just, oh, get rid of government. Yeah, okay, get rid of government until they get rid of regulations which protect the train from you know derailing. Uh, but uh, this is the kind of stupidity you see, which is the extreme thinking. Right. And again, we go back to the either or thinking. It's not either or. We need both of them. So the Saturn person, the older generation, has to understand the Jupiter, uh, the new generation, the young king has something to add to the conversation. At the same time, the young king has to understand structures have been put in place. They're actually quite valuable. And so it's a, it's a discernment issue, right? How do we discern what's valuable? And a lot of that is push and pull and you figure it out. And yeah. then, you know, hopefully, if you're not insane, you know, things work out in the end. But again, it's that duality that I think is really important that people don't seem to, um, uh, and, and and it's interesting to me because duality is kind of inscribed in the polar opposite, like with the Mercury signs, if you think of Gemini, right? It's bringing in those two perspectives and being able to hold them. Anyway, so next time we're going to be looking at the other side and maybe doing more of a deep dive into Saturn, I should say before we go, Jupiter was known as the great benefic, which is why I think everybody loves a Jupiter transit, right? Everybody waits for those Jupiter transits because in the and it joys in the 11th house, according to the traditional Hellenistic astrologers. So the 11th house has a kind of a Jupiter type flavor, right? Possibility is there and connection with others and whatever. The thing is you wait for the Jupiter transit, but in my experience of those transits, they sometimes lead you to excessive behavior that isn't actually quite helpful. So again, even with Jupiter, which is such a bountiful benefic, it has a shadow side. And I think what I'd like to talk about next time is how Saturn, which is called the great malefic, everybody fears Saturn. And yet some of our best work is done under a Saturn transit. So maybe like the malefic, the benefic, that we have to, again, balance the the good and the bad, the shadow and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the thing that's in the light. And I think that's harder for Saturn. So it'll be an interesting discussion because with Jupiter, I think there is always the feeling that, oh, this is all going to be great until 
It isn't until you kind of overstep, you put your foot in your mouth, you drink too much, you do something that basically um, crosses a boundary that uh, isn't helpful to you. So yeah. next time we'll go into the darker realms. <laughs> they yeah. say. Well, I, I mean, the thing with Saturn, though, you know, that this is the thing that if you look at it, Jupiter transits, if you do astrology long enough, you can see how, yes, when Jupiter is in a certain place, you feel better. The return, though, is based on your Saturn because, right. I mean, think about it. If a person, for example, gets a degree or does something, they've spent time working and stole out of Saturn. And then the result can be some opportunity that shows up where you can manifest that through Jupiter. Otherwise, yes, Jupiter will feel pretty good, but it means your life is going along a kind of plateau. It's not really right. rising. For that, Saturn is necessary. So they're working together all the time. Yeah. And this is the logic of uh, Saturn helping Jupiter express its best energy right. and the two of them working together. If not, yes, of course, Jupiter goes by, you'll feel better. What does that mean? Does that mean you're you're basically not conflicted for a whole year and then you go back to your conflicts? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's not going to be helpful in the longer term. Right. So, yeah. All right. Well, next time we'll take on the big malefic. <laughs> All right. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well. Thank mm-hmm. you.